I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. There is much unknown about the future. We talk about that about every, every new year. Uh, there's a lot that's going to be taking place. There's, boy, God's been so good to us in this past year. We've seen some wonderful, wonderful miracles take place. We've seen lives change. We've seen God add to the church. We've seen Him guide and direct us through this year. What a privilege it is to be a part of a body of believers who doesn't just come together just to come together, but comes together in order to follow God together. And I see families that are seeking to follow God together, and God has guided us through this year. God has blessed and provided for us to do the things that he has called us to do. Um, our chest of Joash offering this year, uh, right at $250,000 was given to go to the work of the church and the work of missions that will be taking place in, in 2023. And um, that's what a great blessing. I thank you for your generosity, but I thank God for his grace that flows through his people and being generous and enables us to have some fingerprints all around the world and some different places, things that are taking place, uh, some wonderful mission projects that are coming up. But as we do that, as we look to the year ahead, knowing that God has already begun to provide, as we look to the steps that we're going to have to take and the steps of faith and moving forward, whether it's in our church, whether it's in our families, whether it's in our individual lives, we stand on a threshold of a door that God places before us. And sometimes it's hard to step through that doorway. Sometimes our fears and our hearts hold us back. Sometimes it's not what we know or think is going to happen. It's just the uncertainty of what could happen. I find that most people that I talk to that are disturbed and burdened and anxious, they're not really concerned about things that they know are going to happen. They're just concerned about the possibility or they're concerned about the uncertainty of the future. There's all so many terms that have been used down through the years about it. Uh, uh, Shakespeare spoke about the future as the, that undiscovered country, what lies ahead. Speaking of after death, but of looking into the future and not knowing, that, that fear of what is going to happen, that uncertainty. We don't know what's going to take place this year. Sometimes when we see our brothers and sisters going through things, that's what really gets to our hearts. We see something that happens abruptly to someone, and it reminds us of our mortality and our frailty. We know that that same thing could happen to us. And if we're not careful, we'll let that start to settle into our hearts, and the, the future can become overwhelming. And we stand, as we will see this morning, with God's people of old, we stand on the threshold to glory. We stand looking forward to what God has for us. I assure you, even though I do not know what this year holds, I do not know what will take place, I do know that walking with God, what He has is far greater than you or I can ever imagine. And what is ahead as we step through that doorway? In Numbers chapter 13, the people of Israel come to a crossing. They come to a doorway of opportunity. God places before them an opportunity, a doorway to step through. And I want you to see how they responded this morning. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 and read down through verse 3, and then we're going to drop further down in the chapter. Verse 1, Numbers chapter 13, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All these men were heads of the children of Israel. Now drop down to verse 25 in this chapter. They returned from searching of the land after 40 days. 
So 12 men have gone in and spied out the land for 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. They brought back word, verse 27, they told them and said, We came to the land whither you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. Let me just pause just a minute and say that what they're saying is not really about the milk and the honey. If you understand what takes place in an agricultural, in an agricultural civilization, milk means that there's grass for their crops. There's grass for their herds. They are herdsmen. They are shepherds. They, are, they have animals that bear milk. And so if there's milk that's flowing, then there's plenty of green grass. They've lived in the wilderness. They've been crossing through the wilderness. They've lived in Egypt. They've lived in barren land primarily, but they have flocks, and they, they want to know that there's grass for their, for their animals. There's also a place for crops to grow, and if there's honey there, then there's pollination taking place. And there's crops growing. This is a land that is going to be bountiful. This is a land that is going to be blessed. This is a land that is going to have all that God has promised for them. And it lies just ahead. They said it was surely. It doesn't just have milk and honey. It's flowing with it. It's everywhere you look. And this is the fruit of it. They brought back one, verse 23 says, they brought back one cluster of grapes and they bore it between two of them on a staff. The, the grapes were, now some people say, well, the grapes were just so large that that's what it took. And others say that the, there was, the cluster was so many grapes. I don't know, but that's, just a whole lot of, that's a whole lot of grape jelly, if you ask me. Throw in some peanut butter, and you can forget the milk and honey. I want the PB and J land floating with peanut butter and jelly. And they bring it back, and they're carrying this back. They said, this is the fruit of it. Everything that God has said about this place is true. Nevertheless... You see that word in verse 28? Nevertheless, God's word is sure. God's promises are coming to pass. What God has said is exactly how it is. Nevertheless, beware of the neverthelesses in your life. I know this is what God has promised. I know this is what God has said. But nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. These are the giants. These are the ancestors of Goliath that David will face later. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. What are they saying? They're saying the blessings are great, but the problems are bigger. The burdens are bigger. The challenges, if you are not, and I are not careful, as we look into the future, as we look into what God has for us, we will see the blessings of God, but the blessings will look small if we look primarily at the burdens. If we look at the hardships, if we look at the challenges, it is not following God and walking with Christ is not a life of ease. There will be war when we get into Canaan. There will be battles following God. But if we look at the battles, we look at the burdens, they will outweigh the blessings. And then notice what he said in verse 30. Caleb has something to say. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. He does not deny, just like the other ten spies do not deny the blessings and the bounty, Caleb does not deny that there's going to be battles. 
Caleb knows that there's going to be fighting when they go into Canaan. He's not ignoring reality. Can I say to you and I this morning that when I challenge you to have faith, when the Word of God challenges us to have faith, when the Holy Spirit speaks faith to our hearts, it is not ignoring the reality of our situations. It is not ignoring that there's difficulties. It is not ignoring that a loved one is stricken with health issues. It is not ignoring that our families are facing challenges. It is not ignoring the reality. It is seeing that God is bigger than the reality. And he said, and he stilled the people. But verse 31, the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched to the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants. Of all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I want to point to you this morning, there are three groups of people in this passage that we're going to see this morning, in this chapter and the following chapter, and what, we will fall into one of these three. This morning, every single person in here falls into one of these three categories, one of these three groups. I hope as we go through it this morning, I hope you see yourself in the third group. But unfortunately, there are times, even when we may be in the third group and want to be in the third group, we find ourselves in the first two. What are these groups? First of all, I want you to see there are those who expected defeat. There are those who went into this expecting defeat. Some of you are going into this year expecting the worst. Can I get an amen from some... I don't want to ask your spouse to say that. That's a really, really bad idea. If you know someone who's going into this year expecting the worst, maybe you could say amen. Uh, well, that, y'all better off than I do because I know some people that have some pretty dim views about what's going to happen. What's going to happen if, if the economy does this? What's going to happen if this person is elected? What's going to happen if this country does this? What's going to happen if I, if I lose my job? What's going to happen if this illness hits me? What's going to happen? All these things, and they expect the worst. Sometimes we go into life feeling that way. There was a great story about a lady and her daughter that went shopping before Christmas, and they came out of the store, and the lady looked at her daughter, and she said, did you see that ugly look that that salesman gave me? And the daughter looked at her mom and said, Mom, you had that look on your face when you went in. We go into things expecting things to be bad. One pastor was in the, visiting Hong Kong many years ago, and he passed by a, a tattoo shop, and he saw one of the tattoos that was on the glass that was advertised, and the, the words were, born to lose. And he said it intrigued him that someone would stamp that on their body. And so he went in and he asked the man, he said, do people actually buy that and have that etched on their skin? And the, the artist said, yes, they do. And he said, how, do, how does that happen? Who would, who would do such a thing? And the man looked at him and he said, before it's ever stamped on their body, it's stamped on their mind. They go into it. Let me tell you that if we go into life without faith, we will go in expecting it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. These, these things are going to overwhelm me. I'm not talking about being realistic. I'm not talking about seeing the future and understanding. The Bible says that those were wise that understood the times. We need to be aware of what is taking place. We need to be aware of our situations. We need to be understanding 
But at the same time, we cannot let that overwhelm us. And that's exactly what they did. Did you see that in verse 32 and verse 33? They brought an evil report. And they said, we can't do it. Notice something very interesting here. We, we see their, their doubt in verse 33. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. They were grasshoppers in their own sight first before the giants ever looked at them and said, man, these guys are grasshoppers. I was talking with someone recently about watching professional athletes play and college athletes and how much larger they are today. And if you've ever stood next to a, a, a college athlete or professional athlete, you realize what this verse talks about. They make you feel like a grasshopper. They make you feel like you're very small. And situations in our lives will do the same thing. We feel like this situation is bigger and harder. It is so much, it is so much beyond me that I am just as weak as an insect, as a bug. Their discord, they came back, look in verse 14, chapter 14 and verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. You see the, the impact that their attitude began to have? Their lack of faith began to have on those around them. Now they've got, almost hear, want to hear Moses say, now look what you've done. You got the whole country stirred up. Boy, I feel like saying that sometimes to some well-meaning Christian leaders. Now you've got everybody stirred up. There are some people, listen to me, will you listen to me carefully? There are some leaders, religious Christian leaders in our country that I love dearly and I love the work that they do, but they thrive off of stirring up fear rather than faith. I'm going to say that again because I'm not sure everybody got what I meant by that. I'm trying to say it without saying too much. But there are some leaders and ministries in our country that thrive off of stirring up fear in people's hearts. Don't listen to the voices of fear. They wept all night because, well, I saw it on Facebook. It must be true. Those 10 spies came back, and that's the first thing they posted on their Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram and Snapface and <laughs> every other one you can imagine. You think your attitude doesn't affect those around you? Let me give you a good illustration of this from, from history. For centuries, for centuries it was believed that you couldn't run a mile in under four minutes. Most of us still believe we'll never run a mile in under four minutes. Can I get an amen on that? The Greeks tried everything. They, they, they even some of them said they, they would milk tigers and thought if you drank tiger's milk. Now, I'm not sure how you milk a tiger. You're going to be running. You milk a tiger, you're going to be running a four-minute mile. For thousands of years, everybody believed them. And then a British fellow by the name of Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. The next year, the next year, 300 more people broke it. Now, you think about that. For thousands of years, they said it couldn't be done, and the people listened. It's impossible. The, the human body is just not physically able to do it. And the next year, 300 broke it. You watch a race these days. I watched one not too long back, back I think it was during the Olympics, and out of 13 runners, nearly every one, all but the last one, all, all 13 of them broke a four-minute mile. And the last place runner was faster than Roger Bannister ran it. People that you think, oh, my attitude doesn't affect. Let me tell you, 
it will cause discord, a lack of faith. It can't be done. It's impossible. Don't let your doubts stir up discord in your family, in your church, and in your mind. Notice not only their discord, but notice their death. What happens in verse 30, down in chapter 14, further down, verse 36 and 37? The men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. You remember those guys? This is what God is saying. You remember what they did? You remember who they are? Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. This reminds us of why they died. It was a direct result of their evil report. Their doubt was the cause of their death. So don't be among this group. Don't be those who are marked by doubt, marked by discord, marked by despair. They were the ones who expected defeat. It will generally come to pass. Notice the second group in this story, in this account. There are those who experienced defeat. These are ones that actually lost in the battle. Look down into verse 44 of chapter 14. Now let me just sort of fill you in on what takes place here. After they've doubted and they won't go in because of their unbelief, Hebrews tells us that it was because of their unbelief that they did not go into the land of Canaan. They rose up, verse 40, rose up early in the morning and got them up under the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here and we will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. Now this looks like this is a good thing. You see belief here, you see repentance, we have sinned, We've, we believe this is the place that God has promised, but now it is the place where God says, no, you, you're not supposed to do this. You had your opportunity. You missed that opportunity. And then notice what happens down in verse 45. They presumed to go up to the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelt on the hill and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. Now what happens here? They did not go forward with the ark in the presence of God. Those who actually experienced defeat are those who try to move forward. Now, I wouldn't do it on God's terms. Now I'm going to do it on my terms. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. What do we see about these people? Well, we see, first of all, they were marred by their missed opportunity. They lost the chance to enter into that blessed rest. They missed the chance to go into that promise. Now, let me pause a minute. I want you to see. This is not saying that if you've missed your chance, you never get another chance with God. I am glad that my God is a God of second chances. This problem is not that they missed their opportunity so much as that they tried to do it their way. There are some people here this morning who are not the ones who are going into this year thinking, well, it's just going to be so bad, nothing good's going to happen, and we're going to all die. They're going into this year saying, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to try to do what I'm going to do this year in my own strength. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it whether God wants me to do it or not. And notice how they tag God onto top of it. This is the land God promised. Be careful what you attribute God's plan and God's will to. Many times it just disguises what we wanted to do to start with. Moses warns them, the man of God warns them, the word of God says, no, this is wrong, you, you missed your opportunity, don't do it this way. There's, an, there's going to be an opportunity later down the road, but they rebel and they go up. And what happens? Notice their misplaced optimism. They trusted in the abilities of the flesh and they are defeated. The same nations that the others feared, that's what happened to them. They actually experienced 
this defeat. They feared giants. They felt like grasshoppers. And then they fled from just, just insignificant, just the normal nation, nations that 40 years later God will give them complete victory over. And they, from, they fled from it. So, are you part of the group that expects defeat? Are you going into this year and into your situations and into your life expecting the worst, expecting this to happen? Or are you going in, will you actually experience it because you'll do it in your own strength? I can assure you of this. I don't know what's going to happen in your life this year. I know what some of you are experiencing and some of you are facing. But there are going to be things that are going to come up just like they surprised us this year. And there's going to be things that are going to come up. You and I, in our own strength, are no match for what will happen this year. I see everybody all, man, 2023 is going to be my year. I hope it is. I hope it's the most wonderful year you've ever had. That's why I'm wishing all of you Happy New Year so many times. But I can assure you, you and I are no match for it. But God is. That's where our faith has to be. Our faith has to be in a firm foundation. What happens in this passage? Here's the third group that we, want, that we must be a part of, and I want to invite you and challenge you this morning to be a part of this group, and that is those who are exalted above defeat. You know who they are? Two men, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. And what did they say? When the first group spoke up and says it can't be done, they said, don't listen to them. God is able. We can do this. God is greater than they are. God is greater than the giants. God is greater than all those ites that we're going to face, all those nations. God is able to do this. And they didn't listen. And they obeyed God when God said, don't try it. And the rest of the army goes in and fights, and they're defeated. And Joshua and Caleb are just simply trusting God. Why were they magnified? I want you to look in chapter 14. Look in verse 6. When they said it can't be done, and lifted up their voice and cried. Here's, here's the testimony of Joshua and Caleb. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, land rent their clothes. For you under 40 or 50, that means they tore them up. They didn't, they didn't rent their clothes to someone. They tore their clothes because they were distressed. And they spoke to all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land that we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land. Who is going to bring us into the future? Who is going to see us through the future? It is going to be God. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land. Look at this, for they are bread for us. This is probably one of the first examples of trash talking in the Bible. Joshua and Caleb said, we're going to eat their lunch. <laughs> they will be bread for us. Look at these last three words, this last two sentences, two, two phrases. And the Lord is with us, fear them not. Will you do something for me this morning? When you think about what you're facing, when you're thinking about what's going on in your life, will you remember those two phrases? The Lord is with us. Fear them not. Don't, don't, 
Don't have faith and confidence because of what I say. Have faith and confidence in the future because the Lord is with us. He is the one that is going to walk through this doorway with us. You see, when God puts this door in front of us, we don't walk through it on our own. We walk through it with him. And what happened for Joshua and Caleb? You know this story. They said the Lord, they looked at God's power. They laid hold on God's promise. God said, we will do this. Our victory, folks, is not based on others. It's not on our emotions being manipulated. It's not being stirred. It's not on all these wonderful things that sometimes take place. It is based on God's promises, and it needs to be experienced on a daily basis. And I think about Joshua and Caleb for 40 years. As the rest of the nation, them along with it, for 40 years, they wander in the wilderness. They wander in circles and they fight battles and they go through all the things that we read about in the Scriptures. And there's Joshua and Caleb. And I can almost see Joshua and Caleb. They were physically in the wilderness, but in their heart and soul, they were still in the land of Canaan. And I can see an old gray-haired 80-year-old Joshua passing an 80-year-old Caleb one morning, and he says, it's getting close. We're going to get there. They never lacked the faith that they would one day cross that river and enter into what God had for them. They had the faith to believe. And I want you to know that no matter what wilderness you may have to go through, no matter what season in life you may have to be challenged by, God will bring us through to the other side. He has not brought us out of Egypt to leave us in the wilderness. He is bringing us into the land of Canaan. And He will do that when we trust Him. They laid a hold of God's promises. And they lived in God's provision. Even in the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb were victorious. They lived to enjoy the blessings that God had for them. I love when Caleb and Joshua get there. Boy, they don't quit. They don't sit on their front porch with their rockers and say, well, we got us here. Now the rest of y'all can fight the battle. They were still ready to do it God's way. I love what the great missionary Hudson Taylor said. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. What God has for us to do, He will provide and He will see us through. What God brings you through, whatever it is that you're facing this morning, some of you are sitting at home watching this and you're not able to be here because of what's taking place in your life. And some of you are here and you're physically here, but your mind and heart is so weighed down and so burdened because of what's taking place in your life. I want you to know that God is with you and God is. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. And you will come through that door. And on the other side, whatever's ahead, God will be there with you. Which one of these groups are you a part of? I want to ask you this morning, what door do you need to walk through? There's some of you this morning, some of us, that need to walk through the door of faith. God has challenges ahead of us. And we need to, by faith, say, God, I accept this challenge. Let me tell you that God has given us some big, big things to do, some big, a big work to do. And it's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a step of faith to begin our children's building this year and to move forward in a time when things are challenging in the 
construction field and things are taking place. It's going to take faith for us to invest and engage in the work of missions. It's going to take faith for us to do the work of outreach and ministry that God has called for us to do in our community and in our region and in our area. It will take faith for you to step out and obey God in your personal life. It will take faith for you to believe that God is going to provide and meet your needs. It will take faith for you to believe that God is who He says He is, even when you don't feel what you know to be true. But by faith, so step through that door of faith. Some of you are standing right at the door and you just, oh, I, 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 can't, I can't move forward. I don't even feel like I can take a step. You ever feel that paralyzing feel in your heart where you just don't feel like you can make it another moment? You need to step through that door with God. There are some that need to step through the door to greater fruitfulness and service. God has called you. God has a task for you to do, and you feel like you can't do it, and you need to step through that door to enjoy the blessedness just like they enjoyed Canaan and the milk and the honey and the grapes and the fruit and all that God had for them to enjoy the blessedness of the Christian life. There may be somebody here this morning that needs to step through the door to God's forgiveness. You're, you're fearful about God. Will God forgive me? If I move forward, if I acknowledge, if I take that step, maybe you're, maybe you're like the prodigal son and you feel that fear of, of stepping back and coming. Can you imagine what he must have felt like the, the prodigal son didn't know the father was going to meet him coming down the road. And can you imagine, have you, ever, have you ever stepped into a room and you didn't know what was on the other side? You sort of, you walk in and there's a room full of people and everybody's looking at you and you look around and you don't know a soul. Or somebody that's there and you're wondering, what are they thinking about me? That's where I think the prodigal son was. He probably imagined in his mind having to step through the doorway and stand there and see his father looking at him. And sometimes we feel like that way about God. Our hearts have been away from God. We've got sin in our life. We're not where we ought to be. And we wonder, if I come back to God, how will God respond? If I step through that door, I want you to know that the door to the Father's house is a door of forgiveness. And when we step through that, He is waiting to forgive. So maybe this morning you need to, you need to come and you just need to get at this altar and you need to say, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for where I've been. Forgive me for what I've done. Whatever that door is, God will step through that door with you and he'll be with you on the other side. Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to our hearts and whatever's taking place in my brothers' and sisters' lives, that they will choose this morning to be among those few that will be exalted above defeat that will walk with you, that will take you at your word, that will claim your promises. Lord, I pray for those that have family members that are facing challenges. And Lord, they need to, they need to claim those promises. They need to claim that word and that truth, and that word that you give us. And Lord, there's others that are facing difficulties. And Lord, just they don't know what the future looks like and what it's going to hold. And they don't know if they're able. They don't feel that they have the strength. Lord, may they rest in your strength. And Lord, there's those that need to be forgiven. They've wandered far away from God, and it's time to come home. I pray, Lord, they will have the faith to step through that door and know that you are welcoming them and extending your grace. Whatever is the need today, Father, I pray.